Welcome to Your Agile Journeys podcast, where we talk everything about agile transformations, how to start one, how to make yours successful, make sure your transition is going well and your momentum is going in the right direction. My name is Nicole J. Martinez, and I've been involved in Agile since about 2015. I've seen some great transformations, and I've seen some terrible transformations. So we're here to try to help you learn from us, where we learn together and share that information amongst our whole community. So I've been a Scrum Master, Agile Coach, and Product Owner. I was certified by Scrum.org as a Level 2, and I'm also now a certified product owner from the Agile Alliance. And I've seen a lot of great things come from Agile. Today, I'm so excited that I look forward to talking to Perrin Tala. Perrin is an Agile coach, and I'm looking here at all his credentials. Um, He's also a senior scrum master with over nine years of experience. He holds many Agile certifications, including a level two professional scrum master, PSM2, and professional scrum product owner certifications from scrum.org. He is a safe scrum master, SSM, from Scaled Agile, Inc. Perrin is also a certified project management professional, PMP, and he's also certified in business intelligence and data analytics. I've also seen him to be an influential entrepreneur and trusted advisor. So welcome, Perrin. His wealth of knowledge and experience gives him a deep and well-rounded perspective in Agile methods, and we feel so fortunate to have him sharing his knowledge with us today. So, so happy you're joining your Agile journey to discuss Agile transformations for people to look um, looking to make a transfer, transition into Scrum or new to the Scrum framework. Would you like to tell us anything about yourself? I know I've mentioned a lot about your certifications, but... Anything else you can share about yourself with our growing audience? Absolutely, Nicole. And uh, thank you for that very eloquent and I must say eloquent introduction. You know, so, uh, you know, you pretty much be way better than I would myself, really. So thank you for that. So I am, in fact, a certified Scrum Master and uh, I hold a professional Scrum Master License 1, PSM 2. And uh, PSM 2, the thing that I like to highlight about that is that only about to this date, 18,000 people in the world hold that certification and I happen to be one of them. So yes, that's uh, somewhat of a big deal, you know, like I like to say. And uh, yeah, I've worked in uh, multiple companies, financial institutions such as uh, Edward Jones, and uh, I've worked for companies like JPMC, you know, JP Morgan Chase, and I've worked in different uh, companies uh, involved in media and uh, advertising. So I pretty much... Uh, been um i mean not that i know everything under the sun but you know i've been involved with enough industries to be able to understand what agile transformation is what it's like what are the dangers what are the pitfalls what are the benefits you know and uh, i've also been a you know agile coach to some of the junior scrum masters at the different organizations that i've been a part of and uh, yes i do hold all the licenses that you mentioned and i even forgot about the data analytics and business intelligence that i got from emory university so yeah thanks for reminding me of that but uh yes nicole that's a thorough you know introduction of myself and i'm very humbled to be here at this podcast and uh hoping uh, that conversation is going to bring some light or shed some light to all of the people who are listening to you on you know during the agile journey amazing what i love the most about talking to you is you're bringing so much of a breadth of experience to the space so that you're not just speaking as maybe a scrum master who is licensed 
today and, you know, just a few minutes ago and got a piece of paper. Instead, you're bringing your PMP skills, you're bringing your business analytics skills, you're bringing your entrepreneurialism and your, your just your wealth of information. So, you know, how did you, well, let me start by asking you, you know, what steps, if somebody was looking to go into Scrum, you know, what steps did you take to transition from the old way? So, first of all, uh, I'd like to uh, start this off by saying that uh, I'm no stranger when it comes to getting people to switch from whatever career that they're into to get into Scrum because I'm actually one of uh, the co-founders of a company called Custom Scholars. And uh, basically what we do is we actually get people from all walks of life, actually get them, you know, through a six-week rigorous training, you know, to become a Scrum Master. You know, we assist them with actually getting all the certifications, you know, so the certifications that I have, we can help them get them. And then we can actually prepare them for interviews with different companies, you know, and then we've uh, successfully to this date, you know, since uh, starting early 2021, we've helped over 100 people actually land a successful job as a scrum master coming from different walks of life. So actually somebody that needs to be able, that wants to get into scrum, I'll tell them exactly what I tell all our new students. Basically, understand that you have been doing Scrum for your entire life without realizing. Scrum is more about understanding the mindset of being agile. And once you understand the mindset, you understand that you have skills that we call transferable skills that you can take from whatever industry that you come from, you know, and bring that into the IT world. So, for example, we had um, a woman, you know, who's very successful today as a Scrum Master, who used to be a Starbucks manager. She used to work there and she used to... And then we made them, we made her understand that the interaction that she has with clients, how she organizes the work, you know, with the different, the, the rest of the employees or colleagues and all that, she's applying certain Scrum principles. And actually by her transferring that into the IT world, she will be able to be successful. So somebody looking to get in, I'll help them to understand you need to have that mindset. And how do you get that mindset? First of all, it starts by defining Scrum. I like uh, Scrum. The word comes from rugby, which means gathering around to you know, plan your next move. It's all about allowing people to work with constant feedback, you know, doing some iteration based on the feedback that they get. So let's say we take an example, Nicole. I'm pretty sure sometimes you want to cook for your son at home or maybe he's coming with his friends over and you want to explain to them, you know, you want to make something that they are going to like. So by you maybe starting to make, let's say, uh, key lime pie by you adding some lemons or anything you have your son and his friend taste it and tell you mom there's too much lemons maybe there's not a lot of lemons and then by you adding the next ingredient you know you ask again for their feedback oh no you should put some whipped cream not enough cream or anything like that by getting that constant feedback you are able to implement based on that feedback and deliver something at the end which is going to be satisfactory to both them and to yourself so once you understand that mindset you understand you've applied that principle before so someone looking to get into that i'll have him understand this is nothing out of normal, especially if they've never been in the IT world. This is nothing out of the you know, out of the normal. It's something that you've done before. Now I want you to apply that same thinking into an IT environment. So once you get that mindset, that's the foundation. Everything else falls into place. Now we can talk about you getting the certifications. We can talk about, you know, looking at different industries and so on and so forth. But I would like to start there because I believe that is the basic. And once you have that, everything else is just gravy. <clears throat> wow. I wish I would have reached out to you when I was looking to move into Scrum about 10 years ago because you really helped me right now see how my skills would have transferred into the role. And I completely agree with you. If you 
if you're coming to the into the role with the mindset that you're going to inspect and adapt and do it again and you're going to do that with your customers feedback and your example was my son and that pie and you're right he would have told me right away if it had too much lemon or if it was gross in any way i mean we know kids right they would let us know and i can see how that would make somebody feel comfortable to to join up and let me ask you so do you then consider how that relates to the you know the agile principles themselves like from the agile manifesto in in your courses is that kind of like where you go from there yeah absolutely the agile you know the different principles you know like um related to that and like i said the I, first of all, don't make any dissociation with, uh, you know, I believe in taking your whole entire self to work, meaning whoever you are outside of work is, you know, like uh, you don't stop being a scrum master, basically, you know, so those principles, like as they're part of the Agile Manifesto, you know, like how you need to be as a person, you know, you need to be accountable, you need to be open and, you know, like, and all those things, they apply to, uh, to either, you know, the, your own personal life and being a scrum master. So I believe if you apply those principles well, there's not going to be a time when you're not a scrum master. So basically someone who needs to like, who wants to actually get into scrum after they understand, you know, what it means to be, a, you know, what scrum is, you know, from the uh, methodology standpoint, now Scrum just becomes the framework to actually apply those principles. So yes, once you actually master all those uh, principles from the Agile Manifesto, it becomes a lot easier. So it becomes a lot easier to understand why you need to communicate with people. Because if you need to build something or if you need to organize you know, the work among the developers, you need to be a good listener. You need to be a good communicator. You need to have empathy. You need to have all those things. You know? So because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. In order for you to tell somebody, hey, you need to work in this and that manner because we have such and such deadline, you need to make sure that they're in a mental space where they can actually receive the kind of information that you have for them. You, you see where I'm going with this, right? I see that you're a great coach. You're awesome. And you're exactly okay. right. You know, and, and just on a quick aside, I didn't realize that only 18,000 people have that PSM too. And I can now feel that way about myself. So thank you so much. <laughs> And then you're right about the Agile Manifesto with individuals and interactions. So uh-huh. you're talking about that, about how that's something that people are doing every day. Um, and that customer collaboration, I can really see how, you know, that could really relate to a lot of managers in retail that were making that transition. And, um, you know, I'm a nerd. I just, I read about the manifesto here in this printout that I keep next to my desk all the time because I always want to, remind myself what those core values are in it and the responding to change over following a plan. So, you know, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, did you have anything else? Yeah. No, no, it's like, I mean, basically I, you know, if uh, to, I was just, you know, like as a follow-up to what you were saying. So basically the agile manifesto wants us to focus on individuals and interaction over the processes and tools. The example that I utilized, you could have decided, you know, I'm going to go based off what the recipe on the back of a cereal box is of what a key lamp is supposed to be. And all that's and that. That's you going over processes and tools as opposed to doing individuals and interactions, which is actually asking your son and his friends, what do you guys want? And implementing based on that result after inspecting and adapting. Working software over comprehensive documentation. So working software is actually what I would rather quickly deliver something to, to you so that you can have you know, some sort of an MVP, minimum viable product, so that you can give me your quick feedback feedback and I can implement based on that feedback, you know, or you know, instead of just like uh, following, you know, just like comprehensive documentation, who actually say 
things have to be done a certain way. You know, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Customer collaboration is even better because you actually build that trust with a customer. They feel heard. They feel understood. They feel like you actually get them and you want to implement something that's going to satisfy them over, you know, instead of just talking about, you know, a contract and, you know, money part or anything like that. Like I say, I always live and believe that, People don't care what you know until they know that you care. You always have to hit there. And that's something that the Agile Manifesto is taking us towards. And also the last principle of the manifesto, which is uh, responding to change over following a plan. You have to respond to change. Somebody can come mid-sprint. You know, mid I'm just going to use technical scrum terms now that, hey, you remember that uh, picture I said that I wanted? Actually, I don't want that anymore. I want you to add something else. You know, you have to be able to say, okay, we're going to you know, prioritize what we have here and decide how we're going to implement the new requirement that you have instead of saying, oh, no, you know what? This train is already going. We got a plan. We got to follow that plan and so that we can be on time. We say we're going to deliver by June 1st, you know, so we're not going to stop. No, you have to be able to understand that we change happens change is going to happen when you work with individuals and human beings how do i respond to change as opposed to following the plan so in a sense scrum actually adds a human element to a rigid you know almost robotic manner of building things so yeah that's basically what i want to add there nicole you know i just have to say i've been part of a lot of agile transformations i've met a lot of coaches i've coached myself and i've really never heard somebody connect the dots in a way that was just really right where I was on the, on the topic. I was really wanting to connect that Starbucks manager that you had in my head to the manifesto. And just, that's just where my mind went. And then your examples were just, just so whole, like you're rad at the next company I have. I I hope that you'll consider coming because you're, you're just, you're awesome. Okay, I'm going to go to the next question. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so what steps were challenging and what pitfalls would you want others to avoid when making that transition from the old way? So when making that transition from the old way, first of all, we have to understand what is the old way. The old way is usually waterfall. You know, waterfall is uh, multiple departments are going to work into one specific thing and then ship it to the next department until the project is done. There's not that feedback, that interaction, that anything. Changing old habits, they die, they tend to die pretty hard. It's not always easy to do. And usually the ones who are the most rigid about the old ways, believe it or not, are what we consider to be leadership in many companies. In my years of being a Scrum Master, there's no bigger blocker than, you know, one of the managers or whoever hired the Agile coach and everybody else to not want to follow the Agile way at all. Those will be the people who come to you uh, at the end of sprint one and say, for example, why is the project not done yet? But we said in the beginning when we established a roadmap and milestones that it was going to be done after 12 sprints. Why are you coming now and asking for results? Those are some of the biggest challenges sometimes because everything else is workable. You know, like being agile means you just have to be flexible. If everybody is open-minded and flexible in the way of thinking, everything is going to be, it's going to be a smooth sail all the way to the end. But the biggest challenge that I've seen is usually leadership, the people who call the shots. When they don't want to take the effort or make the effort to understand what agile is, it becomes one of the biggest blockers ever. I've seen it happen many times. And I say to me, you know, like to my knowledge, that's the biggest challenge because it's harder to change, the, you know, to get them to change that mindset. So yeah, that's, uh, that'll be my answer to you, Nicole. Well, I've experienced that myself too. And then everybody naturally wants to please their leader and mm-hmm. it just kind of goes up from there. So, you know, a little off script, but like, what do you do in that situation? Like, what have you done? Any, anything you could tell us? 
uh, I've been in position, uh, you know, at some point uh, I picked up a project with a company called Home Depot, something told me you've heard about that company before, you know, so, yeah, so they wanted to actually, you know, become agile and uh, turns out they were stuck into waterfall. You know, we started, first of all, they say, well, you're going to use uh, agile. We're going to use some Atlassian products like Confluence and we're going to use Trello, which is similar to Jira, but we're going to keep using what we use for waterfall because, you know, we want to go agile, but we're not sure 100%. You know, we don't want to, you know, we've been doing this other thing for so many years. We're not just going to change overnight. By them keeping that mindset, it was very difficult to actually implement things such as at the end of the sprint, you know, we need to have a review. We need to have this. We need to have that because they always say, oh, no, according to what we have here now, waterfall, you know, like a project management tool, you know, we still need to do other things. So it became a battle between, you know, like going with the new or sticking with the old. And because leadership had that mindset, it was very difficult to actually communicate the new mindset to the people actually doing the work, which are the developers, because they were confused. And at the end, we ended up losing that tug of war because, you know, they decided to stick with what they were comfortable with, which was waterfall. And, you know, to me, it's, you know, like uh, that project was not a success because leadership actually was not uh, abiding to that. So what I do in that position and what I wish I would have done in that position was actually to stop the project where it's at and really ask for management to get some refresh Mm -hmm. or training or anything in what it becomes. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do that, if the head of, you know, like uh, if the first car of the train is not moving, the rest of the train is not going to go anywhere. You see what I mean? So they, I want to make sure if a company is actually not becoming agile because of the leadership, leadership needs to take a training into what it means to be agile and what are the benefits of actually implementing that for their own company. Once they understand that, everybody else is going to follow. They will be able to understand why is it important for them not to bother you know, uh, and the, the engineers with like random requirements meet sprint if they're not very, you know, like uh, if they're not very high priority. If something's high priority, yes, we can take it now. If it's not high priority, yes, you can wait for the next two weeks because we need to release a specific features over these two weeks, you know, so you have to wait for the next sprint. So by them getting that kind of training, they'll understand that and the harmony, the symbiosis is going to be there in order for the project to be delivered the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. The same thing has happened to me. And I mean, I was recently in a situation where we were told as scrum masters that we really couldn't even have those conversations with the leaders. And that created like a blocker to the biggest blocker. Right. And so, um, you know, I I believe in that company. I don't think their transformation is going to fail. I think they're going to find their way. I, you know, I'm an optimist, but um, very difficult because like you said, if the leaders don't see it, and I think we may have an opportunity in our whole Agile community. And one of the reasons why I've put together this podcast for your Agile journey is I want to help us push that needle forward when, you know, the leaders don't, they're not getting what they need, right? So there's something that they need in order to embrace agility. And, and I think that they may need some type of, I don't want to say post-scrum, but something that enables them to interact with their roadmaps and allow teams to be agile at the same time. Some middle place. And I'm hoping that your agile journey is going to talk to enough people over the next year that maybe we'll all figure it out, right? And we can have a free certification from your agile journey in the, you know, scrum next, right? But 
I'll, uh-huh. I'll wait for you. You're the entrepreneur. So we will talk about that another time, but absolutely, we hit uh-huh. like a roadblock to the biggest walker. Okay. I want to get to the next question because you uh-huh. know, as, as I worried, we would have so much to talk about that. We're just going to talk too much or something. I don't know. Okay. So some approaches that you've used to overcome those pitfalls I think you kind of got, you talked about that a little with, with us. We, you and I had talked about wanting to talk about approaches to overcome the pitfalls. And I think you said it, that you would have taken a step back, which is so hard to do in the trenches mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe readdressed leadership's agility and their interest in it. Did you have anything more to add to, to hit that question or did we cover it? Uh, I mean, there's a million things, you know, like uh, challenges can arise in multiple places when you implement something that's new. So, for example, you also have people who are to, you know, like some developers that can become a problem because, you know, developers tend to be uh, very set in their ways. So someone's been a developer for, like, let's say, 15 years. He's been a front end engineer and he's been saying, for example, you know, they don't work with user story estimations. You know, he just knows how long he's going to take him to do a certain specific job. And now you have not only to get them to understand what the uh, user story estimation is, but how to actually implement or apply it. So someone would tell you, for example, well, in this case, if you're talking about th- something being three points, it means it's going to take me a full day, eight hours of work, you know, so they just want to go by time. And now you have to make them understand. No, it's a, actually, uh, you have to take into consideration the dependencies, the effort that goes behind the risk and many things like that. So those are some of the, you know, challenges that may come with that, you know, so constantly training people, also having what we call a working agreement, you know, it's kind of like setting the foundation for success. This working agreement is a source of, of truth. Like I like to say for many, it's kind of like the internal Bible for each, you know, scrum team. So you know exactly what it means, you know, like how, how is it that we um, do user story estimation? What do we agree on to be the definition of done? How do we know we've met the definition already? You need to have role cards so that everybody knows exactly what they're doing because it's very easy in an agile environment, people tend to wear multiple hats. But with role cards, people know exactly what's expected out of them. So by you laying that foundation, laying that structure, you can actually build upon something solid because people are going to know I'm X, Y, Z person. I'm responsible for ABC, you know, and that's what I'm going to be judged on. And the company depends on me to provide ABC in order for this project to be done. Once you have that foundation laid out properly, yes, you can actually have a perfect agile transformation. I love that example, especially because that leadership piece is sometimes like a little outside of our control. And then when we take us down into the team, we can still see a lot of those barriers too. And I love that you would kick it off with that level setting amongst the team, because then if somebody doesn't want a story point or if they don't want to do it the same way, they can talk together self-organizing together as a team and come to that understanding and hold each other accountable. Really one of our agile principles. I I love hearing that great way to do that. That's, that's great. You must really do this for a job. (laughs) Because that happens right in real life. And you have to have a plan. You know, you come into a new team and you're not, you know, maybe you're the new scrum master, but maybe they were already there. And you might have to level set with everybody and bring them to those team goals and go through those norms together. Where do you, do you post those things for people like using Confluence, like you mentioned, and sort of publicize that for the team to share? Or 
How do you make sure that's shared? So I actually make sure that whatever I post on, uh, you're talking about how do I make sure all those are shared. So not only do I post on Confluence, but I'm constantly reminding them about that. I utilize a parking lot after daily stand-up, you know, to talk about, you know, those specific things. I remind it to them. I believe that the repetition is the mother of all learning. So the more you repeat things to people, the more it's going to stick into their mind. And then it's going to become subconscious. It's going to become, you know, like... Uh, uh, um, somebody that I listen to a lot, uh, Kevin Trudeau, he talks about the unconscious competence. So, yeah, so it gets to a point where they actually become second nature to them, basically. So I believe in doing that a lot, you know. So in uh, street words, if you, if you don't mind, you know, I'll bother them until, you know, like, yeah, they can't take enough, they can't take it anymore and they're just going to start applying that without, so that I don't have, so, yeah, I believe that works, actually. You know, you, you hit it, the magic of that shuhari, right? Where at first everybody just does what we said, then mm. they start making the small tweaks and then it's like just magically happening. And, you know, it just reminds me of, of that. And my dad always telling me time on task, right? So you just the repetition and that yeah. you're reminding them in, in parking lot. That's a great thing for, yeah. um, you know, students of Agile and, scrum masters to be to know you have that wonderful time with the team where you're able to really drive home the principles the team needs and um thank you for calling that out that's awesome um okay so um you know sometimes you know we can all be really working with high agility everybody is um delivering as expected and then all of a sudden, we notice we have a bunch of cross dependencies where our work is dependent on another team and, and, you know, they are maybe now our blocker. I wonder, like, you know, in the trenches when, you know, you're helping lead the teams, do you have any approaches to cross team dependencies that you might do that are working for you? Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to use something that I did in the past that was not so successful. And what I'm doing now, that's actually highly effective. So um, I won, you know, in a previous life of mine, I was a scrum master for a specific team at JP Morgan Chase. And what I used to do, uh, you know, because I was a little less senior than I am now in my beginning there. So I used to pretty much uh, say, hey, since we have a dependency, let's say on DevOps, you know, who's the PMO on the DevOps side, you know, or who's the manager of that team, if you don't have a PMO. I'll meet with them and say, hey, we have a dependency on XYZ. They'll just say yes, or I'll send them an email and try to remind them as much as possible. But you know what? They're also super busy because many other people depend on them. Or if you're working on the data, of the project that's very data focused, you know, and you rely a lot on the data engineers and data mining team, they tend to be busy because everybody else is dependent on, you know, on them. So what I've done, so I didn't have a lot of success doing that, but what I've learned over the years is that actually I'm going to be in their face and I'm going to make sure I take the lead. What do I do by that? I speak with a manager of DevOps, for example. I say, hey, why don't you send me two SREs, two of your DevOps engineers, you know, to my team. And by them being on my team, I actually want them to understand. I want this to be part of the daily activity that, hey, you are blocking us at this level. And what we're going to do instead of just telling you, I'm going to create a ticket in Jira. Uh, we live and breathe Jira. So basically, we're going to create that and put it on your board and assign it to somebody there. So two things are going to happen. If it's high priority, you know, and you guys have the bandwidth, it's going to be prioritizing your current sprint. 
if it's not and you guys don't have you know have the, a lot of things to, you know you guys don't have the bandwidth it's going to be prioritized on top of your backlog and by doing that it actually does two things either a we get unblocked now or b we get some clear direction as to when we're going to get unblocked so i believe that you know those are not things that the agile manifesto is going to teach you and part of being a scrum master is that you need to be a change agent you need to be proactive and you need to be creative also so by doing that it allows me to actually not only raise the alarm on their side they need to understand by them sitting in our meetings they will understand exactly how important that is you know because i don't think nothing will scream more important than that if you send them an email than just calling them to one of our meetings so they don't need to sit in every stand-up they need to be there at the backlog refinement and screen planning because that's when we detect exactly where do we need where do we have a fire and where do we need to when do we need that fire to be put out so they will let us know by us asking them directly hey you're blocking us here is this going to be a now solution or next down the road we need to know because by you letting us know you allow us to actually know what we need to deprioritize maybe we don't need to work on this now we need to so because they're gonna unblock us in two weeks so that's actually how i deal with dependencies that's been the most effective way to do it to this date instead of just like talking to people and waiting for them no call them out bring them to your meetings actually show it to them because thing is believing they'll know exactly okay they need us for xyz they depend on us for the infrastructure for what they're building they depend on us because they need to we need to deploy something in order for them to be able to reach their goal so that's been the most effective uh, technique today and i'll tell you what i did this with two of my teams and many other teams have been using that and it got me some accolades and between you and i i also got a bonus for doing that so yeah that's my method for dealing with uh, dependencies you know i need you to know <clears throat> that i did something very similar mm-hmm for my DevOps dependencies. And uh, it's so amazing to hear somebody at your level saying that that was your okay. approach also, because as soon as they have the JIRA ticket, right, assigned to them, they yeah. understand the dependencies from coming to our backlog refinements. And then their manager also kind of is bought into they have a ticket and the timing of all that. Then it goes from blocker to just part of that sprint's work, right? And everybody knew that they were depending on it. And then if you're in a CICD environment or if you're in a release, you know, a couple times a week, you can just time everything because sometimes they have to do their work first, right? And then we have a little bit of dev that needs to come after the DevOps and and stuff like that. And um, that just makes me feel great. Thanks for sharing that example. That's great news. No, you're welcome. And I believe, you know, you either have to choose, would you be, you know, like, uh, would you like to be in reactive mode or in proactive mode? I believe being in proactive mode saves you from a lot of disaster, you know, especially being a Scrum Master, because a team actually needs you for that direction. Your engineers need that. So if you have to sit in meetings with different teams that have nothing to do with you, just because you want to understand what could be a potential blocker in the future? What could be a potential dependency? By you sitting in those meetings, you get you become privy to certain information. And that information you can actually use it to unblock, you know, to like stop, you know, some whatever dependency can happen in the future. So yes, I mean anybody that's getting to Scrum who's been a Scrum Master and is not doing that. You need to be proactive in that sense. You know, a scrum master is not just about facilitating ceremonies. That's not a scrum master. You can literally code, you know, like uh, somebody can write a code, you know, something that can just like facilitate meetings, you know, so they don't need you if that's all you do as a scrum master. You need to be proactive. You need to make sure that you anticipate a lot. 
sit in meetings with other teams that you think that you may have a dependency on. You know, if you're working with a data team or the DevOps team, sit in some of their meetings, understand maybe they have something coming up. Maybe they're going to be focusing on specific work, which means they're going to be unavailable to you over the next two weeks. How can that affect you? So those are the, those are the things you need to do as a Scrum Master on top of just, call, you know, and then you can do uh, what you and I have been doing for years. You know, I didn't know we're using the same techniques, but it makes me feel even better knowing that you're using it. So, you know, invite yeah. people ceremonies and then you know by sitting on your ceremonies they'll be able to understand exactly what's the level of urgency of what you know the dependency that they're causing on you so yeah amazing amazing i I think that that synergy is just telling us what we we already knew because it was working um one of my teams when we made that change they went from 48 percent predictability to 98 percent almost double that's amazing that's Amazing. amazing yeah yeah for both of us, because we're both doing the same thing. That's so cool. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, related to cross-team dependencies, have you had any experience with companies that have a, are using the safe methodologies and how they are managing cross-dependencies with maybe their PI planning and such? It's similar, but it's maybe at more of that roadmap level um, where they're thinking about it, you know, on top of the scrum teams and they're, they're talking about it. You might have heard about it also as big room planning is also popular at banks to manage that scaled agile perspective on those cross team dependencies. So, yeah, when it comes to safe, really, uh, there's uh, they use a number of strategies, <clears throat> you know, to actually, uh, uh, you know, the, to actually tackle the dependencies, you know, and there's multiple types of dependencies when you're working, you know, like uh, in a safe environment, you know, there's could be the requirement dependencies, you know, the expertise dependencies, the activities dependencies, you know, and it's pretty much, you know, you have to be able to uh, understand them, to identify them, to know exactly how to tackle them. So there's a couple of strategies that come into place, you know, when uh, you want to mitigate uh, dependencies into the squad, you know, especially in a safe environment. You know, the first one is uh, that I like to talk about is the automation, you know, automation strategy. So basically uh, with appropriate controls in place, you know, and uh, for safety, you always have to automate repetitive tasks. You know, you have to be able to automate repetitive tasks, things like continuous integration or deployment or CICD or you have to be able to automate uh, reported, uh, repetitive support tasks. That will be uh, examples of some automation that removes or mitigate uh, dependencies. So, for example, if we can automate a certain way of doing something, you know, by doing that, you actually remove a dependency because instead of having somebody depend on somebody to, you know, remove a specific, you know, blocker for you, if you automate that process, you don't depend on someone to do that for you anymore. You know, that's one way of doing that, you know. So you can actually, another method is uh, the standardized uh, process. Standardized processes is uh, if the automation is not feasible, you know, uh, you can make uh, certain processes happen the same way each time to eliminate planning and coordination. So if you identify the way that something works, instead of having meetings, you know, to do that all, you know, all the time, you can actually standardize the process to actually do it, document it, put it somewhere on Confluence so that when somebody meets, you know, that kind of, you know, problems, they can go to Confluence and know, oh, there's already a documented process to actually, you know, like uh, get rid of these dependencies. There's many other, there are many other ways, some that I'm not too, you know, like a fan of, like uh, micromanaging, for example, you know, if uh, your dependency requires, you know, some work to be in order for it to be resolved, you you need to work proactively with the downstream squad, you know, the squad that actually needs to handle them. You need to micromanage them in order to do that. 
personally, not my go-to because I don't believe in micromanaging. I believe, you know, part of the Scrum principle, people need to be involved and invested enough in the project so that they don't need to, the point where you don't need to micromanage them in order to do that. But those are some of my go-to strategies, you know, how to mitigate, you know, like dependencies in a safe environment. You know, I didn't think I could be more impressed with you than I was when I was reading (laughs) off all of your accolades at the beginning. But I want to tell you, Thank you for that. For me, did you learn all that in your safe certification? Because I don't have that yet. And I think that I might need to get that because you just hit on some things that I would like to have a go-to strategy for. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, first of all, I'm a big believer that there is no substitute for experience. The more you do something, the more you learn and you learn way more than you learn that just taking a class or taking a course for certification. Of course, you can get your certification in safe, but that's only going to put you in a position to actually work in PI planning or safe environments and all that. And by you doing that over and over, you're going to pick up some things that you never would have picked, you know, in 10, doing that same program for safe 10 times. So, you know, I believe... uh, you know, there's no substitute for experience. And it's because of the experience that I have that I'm able to uh, come up with strategies like that myself. So yeah, thank you again, Nicole, for the compliment. Yeah, no, thank you for teaching me stuff today. Awesome. Um, So, you know, we've been talking for a while and I just want to make sure that we've still kept our audience with us. You know, (laughs) what can you recommend to others looking to transition into Scrum or new to Scrum? Is there anything that you'd like to leave folks um, with some advice, parting thoughts, perhaps? So first of all, I, you know, I know we talked about transferable skills. We talked about, you know, knowing the mind, you know, getting the mindset right and everything, but experience doesn't lie. Get into a program, you know, learn from a program, you know, if you want to, uh, there are multiple, you know, like uh, programs and boot camps out there that are offering, you know, how to become a scrum master. We personally do one and ours is pretty good. You know, check it out. This is not, you know, like I'm uh, just like jumping on the opportunity to just talk about our company, customscholar.com, go there for information. We actually do this and we've done it successfully. Many others do the same thing, but get into a certification program, a program that's actually going to help you walk all the way, you know, and understanding the mindset, understanding the agile manifesto, understanding the scrum guide, because that's a Bible for anybody wanting to become a scrum master. You cannot become a Scrum Master without knowing the Scrum Guide and the Scrum and the Agile Manifesto. I cannot stress this, you know, enough. You know, so that's very important. Once you do that, actually, it's only a matter of, you know, work your way up. You know, don't look at somebody on LinkedIn that has, you know, 10 years experience and you want to do the same thing that they're doing. No, work your way up. Start as a junior Scrum Master. You know, learn from somebody. Learn from your Agile coach or from a mentor at your company. And you are going to be able to, you won't recognize yourself in like one, two years, what you'll be able to do. So it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, but I believe if you have the right mindset, it's only a matter of time before you get to where, you know, whatever goal you set for yourself as what it means to be a successful Scrum Master. But yeah, that'll be my advice for anybody looking to get into this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to post the name of your website right above us in the end of our podcast so that people can see it right here on the screen. And um, thank you so much for taking your time today, not only teaching me stuff, but everybody that's going to listen to this is going to get to learn from you today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you were able to find value. And I hope everybody in your audience will find some bit of value that's going to add a little bit of positive things in the Agile journey. So yeah, thank you. For thanks for the platform. And thanks for allowing me to speak here today. Nicole. Yeah, thank you. Well, have a great day. Talk to you later. Thanks, Nicole. Have a good day. Okay, yeah. bye-bye. Bye.